And that is what I'm talking about when it comes to they're giving so much power. They are giving power to these child pedophile rings, to the, you know, elite that are running this, to, they're giving power to this. The way that you become free of the shackles of whatever it is that you're, this overarching power that you're so afraid of is destroy the throne that they have in your own mind. And they're putting them up on a throne. Hello, everybody. Oh, you might hear Dash in the background. We're all a little excited here right now at the Rue. We just finished a wonderful, I guess they're still workouts, although having way more fun than ever before with it. Uh, so it's hard to call it work, but work work is okay. They're workouts, whatever. Um, sometimes it feels like play, mostly. And it was a lovely one. I'm actually, it's a little strange. I am clearly in the best shape of my life better than i was even i think it was six seven years ago I suffered a really or sustained i'll say a really bad injury to my spine mostly up in my neck region and i am definitely in as good a shape as i was then if not better in many ways and it's lovely ari and i work out a lot together these days it's fun stuff all right. <clears throat> Hello. Trying to find the date here for when we recorded this one. I think it was, hmm, late January or uh, near the third week. I know it wasn't too long after January 6th, but obviously that was early January. Um, I know that because we talked somewhat about quite a, well, recent events. It's hard not to. It was only a little over a month ago, and we really ought not to forget it. Um, I'm also going to go right out and say this. <clears throat> There's a reason we have jails and prisons, and some people clearly need to be in them. And I don't think there's any other way for us to... Um, I don't know how we can get past that. I don't know how we can get past not... It just justice really does seem like something we need. It's not just a nice thing that every now and then should prevail or that we can call upon. It's like, well, we kind of need it. I don't know how we're going to get past, how we're going to move forward without it. But that is a question, not a, not a statement, I guess you could say. I'm, I'm asking myself, how can we move forward without a certain kind of justice? Specifically, Drumpf et al. being in prison. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and Casey and I, oh, well, there you go. I just told you who the guest is. I'm not going to do that yet. Sorry. Like I said, a little, a little jazzed up from the workout. I got to mention our sponsors. We can't ignore those, right? Have you ever wanted to have that special neighborhood diner-like setting? Well, go to Native Cafe then. Native Cafe, where your diner fantasies are going to be met. They're not really a diner, but they serve that that need for a diner-esque, a, a downtown diner-esque setting. It's just lovely. 
They even sometimes just randomly make you French toast. It's not even on the menu, folks. That's the kind of people they are. Native cafe. And I did say it already. Casey is the guest. And this episode is called Into the Storm. The reason being uh, we ate a lot of, I think it was 10 at least, um, Froning Farms, not a sponsor, buffalo sticks. We ate them because we were hungry and they were delicious and we had just sounded and we wanted food. And they were amazing. And Into the Storm is a reference that they've, uh, I guess, popularized as of late because Buffalo, supposedly, I Googled it, seems like it's true. Never watched the Buffalo do it, but it seems true. Instead of going away from a storm, they just go straight to it. And they're like, screw it. Let's get this shit over with. They go right into the storm. I like Rich Froning. I like his farm. I sort of want to run a farm just like his someday, or at least similar. Who doesn't, really? And uh, we ate a lot of his buffalo sticks. Plus, we wanted to go. Casey and I are the kind of guys that go into the storm. We kind of like to go. We're we're pretty direct in terms of how we like to handle whatever's happening. Just go right at it. Uh, But before we say more about Casey, we have another sponsor. Are you looking to make your home a little browner, you know, like your, your fantasy cabin, Philadelphia Table Company. It's the only way to add some brown to your crown, something rhyme. Add some brown to your world, Philadelphia Table Company. They specialize in tables and they make them in Philadelphia and they're extraordinary. Philadelphia Table Company. Uh, okay, so Casey, this episode is the second one of season four. He's a he's a tour de force. We get right into it. Barely can we can barely slow this fella down. Let's see. We talk about Nelson Mandela, uh, the poem Invictus, which I'm going to read for us. Um, ego, and this theme that is not going away. This absolutism theme. How critical it is that we understand it and how we learn to say no. Um, Learning to integrate the word no effectively, it relates to this judicial component, but in general, it's so important. How do we integrate no and also not become absolutist in our thinking and in our habits and in our lifestyle? These are big questions that we need to be asking them. It's big time. Even if it wasn't, even if we didn't have to deal with, or even if we weren't, I should say, dealing with the seemingly imminent threats of climate change, which is the main one that I would hope eventually, sooner than later, unites us all, uh, at least one of the things that could unite us all sooner than later, even if that wasn't relevant, let's do it. Let's get with the program. Let's take stock of what we've learned thus far, and let's just... Let's start rocking. Let's let's bang out this whole living well thing. We can do it. And Casey's here to help. <laughs> All right. Invictus, I'm going to read that. And then we'll get into Casey, who's a returning guest. So some of you probably already know him. One of many people that will be returning for season four. Um, Paolo is the only one who's returned thus far. And we'll be seeing him again. I think he'll be a regular. Lots of people returning and lots of new people. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. <clears throat> Here's Invictus, the poem that Nelson Mandela is all, one of two poems I know of that Nelson Mandela is often associated with. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how to straight the gate, how charged with punishments the stroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Here's Casey. Enjoy. Thank you. They are delicious. Mm-hmm. We're rolling. Yeah, they're really good. So the farm is in Tennessee. Mm. Froning Farms. He's a considered to be one of the best CrossFitters ever, and arguably one of the fittest men, so to speak, in history. Mm. Regardless of that, I like his buffalo. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so, what are his farming practices like? Well, they definitely. <clears throat> like, do they pride themselves and they're free range? Sure, range. Super important. I think it's hard to do buffalo any other way. Mm, they're wild beasts. They are. In fact, their whole thing is like, from my understanding, yes, they're clean. There's nothing, there's no preservatives, that easy stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, made in the USA. Um, you can look at the ingredients, they're, they're not organic, but they're essentially clean. But what they, I do think they generally pride themselves on the, the wild aspect their whole saying is into the storm apparently there's this um i guess fact about buffalo that when they when a storm like a big snowstorm is coming yeah they go straight into it wow because then it'll be quicker they'll get over they'll get over it faster they just go right through it wow (laughs) i love that yeah, their whole thing. They have all this swag that says into the storm. Yeah. It is it is into a really storm. Yeah. That's amazing. Cuz it's a real representation of like you do the hard thing now, life will be easy, do the easy thing now and life will be hard. You know, yeah. like cuz if you ran away from the storm, it lasts forever. And it would, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll stop, but you probably could just go right through it. Through it. Such a good idea. I guess that's the metaphor we're about to launch, from which we're going to launch into everything else. Well, I, I have just, you had two already? No, I've only had one. All right, I'm. Like I said, I'm probably going to have three. Are you, count, are you counting? No, we can have the whole bag. <laughs> you monitoring me? No, I, I was actually suggesting because people often do. Oh God! You know, I was encouraging you to have more. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you. You did want to essentially, you thought, let's talk about this. Let's not just eat. Let's talk about what we're eating. Well, I think it's really important because the thing I've had, people come to me a lot of the times and they're like, you eat meat? That really surprises me with everything, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, this is my theory about, uh, this is, this is, these are my qualifications to eat meat, right? I think that it's all about respect and honoring the animal. And I think there's a beautiful saying in terms of like, as I eat you, I too shall be eaten and be of service to the earth, right? And that's how I view it because that's the cycle of life. And I think that it's important to eat meat in the same way that a carnivore eats meat. Like a lion 
if a lion's already eaten, it's not going to go kill another gazelle, is it? You know, there's no, no... it'll walk past a whole herd. Yeah, there's no excess. Okay, look, you already went to the best word we could possibly talk about. Excess. Yeah. And that really does relate to everything we were just discussing in the sauna. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can edit out the chewing. I do apologize. <laughs> it's kind of funny, <laughs> though. <laughs> um, I'll try and lean back. Well, I'm doing it, too. <clears throat> yeah, this is bison. Dried cranberries, uh, which are apparently they do carry a little mm-hmm. bit of sugar. Um, I <clears throat> gather it's a very negligible amount. Yeah. Well, sea salt, jalapeno pepper. This is the cranberry jalapeno. It's good. It is really good. I just got a little hit of, because you know that- you found the spice. I found the spice (laughs) because it hit me right in the top, the soft part of the back of my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. And I was like, whoa, because I had had a whole one, didn't taste that. But let me me say something here. You're allowed to say anything. Recently, (laughs) recently I've come, a goal of mine is essentially to go and only eat meat that I hunt myself. That way I can assure the sacredness and the honor that I bestow upon the animal as I take its life and make sure that I use the full and whole thing, nose to tail. You know, I saw um, a special on Netflix where this guy goes fishing and as soon as he catches a fish, he cuts them open right away so they don't suffer and he bleeds them out right then and there and he says like a little prayer. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And I think that that's a great way to eat meat. And if you suck at hunting, you shouldn't be eating meat, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to a certain degree. I was like thinking like when I have kids, I will feed my kids the meat that I hunt, fish, you know, uh, go out and hunt. And we'll have goats and chickens and we'll kill the chickens ourselves or just milk the goats and uh, farm. And then um, at a certain age, I'll stop hunting for them and say, hey, you're vegetarian now unless you want to go and get your own meat. Because <laughs> that's, I, I don't know, I feel like that's a... Uh, that's my philosophy about it. Because the thing that I think is messed up is buying the food from these factory farms that are treating animals with such cruelty, so inhumanely, like that they are nothing. And that's really the the crux of the issue. And then why the meat is so unhealthy because they're treated, they're not treated to be healthy, the animals themselves. <clears throat> yeah, and that's a good idea as I point to the bow right there mm-hmm. um by no means am i ready to be hunting or hunting at this point but yeah I, certainly that's exactly how i want to do it too so i gotta get good but you know you maybe we should make a pact that we don't eat any meat until we can <laughs> well get it with the it's bow. an ideal i agree it's a good idea it's ideal. a good ideal <clears throat> now the difference between an ideal and idealism is something i'm fascinated in but um all these all of these notes as we go but quick question do you think this is something that uh jake and jelly would eat in prison, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Organic Shaman. Oh, that's bag. how that guy is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think man, he he's just making all shamans look bad. <laughs> Do you think he would eat these? I Probably. believe these I can't, are I clean. Can't. These are clean enough. Oh, these are definitely clean. He'd this, eat them. This farm is responsible. Uh, uh, that was something yeah. that I was just like, oh, man, now you're making me look bad. You're making me look bad. Yeah, yeah you, me, you, you used to something. run around Lambertville with... Uh, wasn't it like um, a stegosaurus tail? Oh, no. my stegosaurus tail. So Jake is the guy with the horn. I know, I know. I'm, I'm trying to think of 
what you're referring to that I had. I was referring to nothing. I was making a stupid joke, <laughs> which I failed at. Well, the, the, the story of my life. The funny God thing is, damn it, is that I could have been doing that, and I just couldn't have remembered. So I was honestly curious of like, oh, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you put on that Stegosaurus onesie, and uh, you've painted your face, and you put on a funny little nose, and you started running around Lambertville, going rawr, rawr. We need to remember prehistory. <laughs> all right, all right. So anyway, <laughs> let's move on from that. Um, excess. Okay. Here is so Jake excess recent events. I have no problem naming Jake. I have no problem naming JP. We won't name people we actually know. <clears throat> what I was going, what I realized would be a good, I think foundational question for us a moment ago as you i love it leaning away and i'm waiting to start chewing this one um i think this is a good gimmick have something going on between us uh, i have sometimes it's a candle if it's at night joe montone and i i think he drank like a quarter of his but we had we each had a can of beer a, a oh, yeah, they do that in acting it's it's the best way for the natural thing because then yeah. you can really just be natural it takes away the inhibitions because you're so focused on doing something else it's a, exactly yeah one of my favorite movies is um that cult classic uh, my dinner with andre you ever watch it no oh my god good acting and actually famous actors too but we'll, anyway you should watch it it's literally i think like t over two hours of just two guys sitting in a restaurant talking and it's a good conversation. Well, let's start to have a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Casey. So, all right. We were we started this in the sauna. How do we have the awareness of how do we maintain the awareness of of needing to be as you say it focused on love or unconditional love? Mhm. Mm and I think the easy way to say it is have boundaries. I would simply, I would like to use the word no, say no. And I've been fascinated by that question for a long time. I first probably was, like I said, in, when I was studying Taoism, the concept of Wu Wei, to act without being, without positioning yourself in, in relationship as like condemning or condoning. It's to essentially act without condemning or condoning, which is a fascinating possibility. Mm -hmm. I've seen it portrayed in movies and literature. It's a strikingly rare thing, I believe, to see in real life, but the possibility is still very intriguing. Yeah, and the thing, <clears throat> the thing is, you don't have to condemn or condone someone just not to participate in whatever they're doing. Right? You can set a boundary of like, hey, you know, I'm not going to say what you're doing is good or bad, but it's just not for me, right? Yeah, but you can only say that so far. And that's what's unique about this moment. What do you mean so far? What are you trying to say there? So far as to what? Where, where's the line? I think what I'm, my growth at this moment, <clears throat> sorry, now I put it in my mouth. What I'm <laughs> you dirty <dog>. questioning... <laughs> for myself and uh -huh. in general is, okay, is this a moment where you can still be aware, uh, uh, be mature and, and good and say that doesn't, I don't have to be in relationship to that. Is that still true at this moment? No, 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 no. Well, so the thing is, is like, you don't have to be, you don't have to condemn or condone it, right? You could just say that that is 
not energy that I want in my reality. And then you can go and become curious about where they're at and have them explain what it is that they are going through, right? Without condemning or condoning it, because at the root of it, they're looking for something that you already have probably, they're, we're all looking for the same thing. And so a lot of times, you know, I talked to some Trump supporters and I just, you know, asked and asked and asked and dug deeper and deeper and deeper and had them explain and explain and explain to me everything. And it came down to a sense of morality, a sense of God, a sense of all of these things. And I was like, all right, this is something that I can work with then. And then I was able to express my view of saying what they said about God if you really believe this, then this, right? The implication here, though, <clears throat> is that those people who, whatever their you know identity and quality, one way or another, yeah, exactly. The implication here is that you are able to, in your own sort of tactful way, whether it's with the concept, with an awareness of empathy, your um, capacity to communicate, quote unquote, nonviolently, your your sense that oh, we all are trying to fulfill certain needs, most likely a kind of connection, and there's other kinds of needs that we all share. But <clears throat> there's, an there's an implicit context there, which is everybody was willing to listen and arrive at a, a even the most basic kind of agreement, which I guess is to listen and to truly listen. Well, and the way that you make that agreement is by first setting the standard of being the listener. Yes, agreed. Because if you start listening to them most of the time and you agree with them and you are curious and you acknowledge them, they're going to want to listen to you. Key thing there is most of the time. I agree with you. Most of the time. That's Well, the, and if you're listening right, if you because there are people who are like, oh, I listen to them. Yes, yes, yes. You know, were you really listening or were you listening with a sense of judgment and disdain sure. on your face, even though your words were saying something different and your ears were open? Of course. And that, that again, gets to the nature of the question I've been asking myself. Like if, hypothetically, 99.9% of the time that works, to me that suggests there may be a time when it doesn't. And is... I don't want to be ignorant to that. So this is it, dude, is everybody, everybody's soul reveals the truth to them at the divine perfect timing of when they can handle it. And so all you can do is do what you can. And beyond that, everything is up to them. There's a certain point of, well, you know, I did what I did everything that I could do without sacrificing my integrity and what I believe in and my health and my own well-being. And that's all you can do, right? And and the more that you, like I was saying in that post that we were talking about, the more that you can anchor yourself in self-love and knowing who you are and what you believe in, the more leeway you have to actually have strength, have the strength to have the power to do something to affect change in somebody's belief system by healing a wound that they might have, because we all have wounds. I have wounds. I'm assuming that you have wounds. I'm, you know, ah, every, you know, everybody's got something that needs to be healed. And the most powerful healing tool on the planet is unconditional love. And I know that people are like, oh, that's not true, but it really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, 
their reaction doesn't negate the validity of it. It just means that in the moment with them, you might take a, you might use language and you might use tools a little differently, of course, so as mm -hmm. to not seem too other and to not be because be hard to connect with. Yeah, because what is a doctor? But that's the question. How many different? I'm fascinated. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm pointing at mm -hmm. a novel over there. You know, I keep doing this. I'm thinking that there are books over there, and I guess I'm wrong. Maybe they're up there. Either way. Oh, there's Walden, too. There's Walden, really yeah. <laughs> that one, which we'll come back to, but also The Way of the Peaceful Warrior um, is an older novel, and there's a character in it who, it's the simplest kind of a context. He and his friend are, the two. I mean, they're the two main characters, and mm -hmm. the one guy is older, the one guy's more or less our generation and learning from the older guy, so to speak. And they're down, they're walking on the street at night, and these guys come up to mug them when take their money and blah, blah, blah. And the old guy unexpectedly just incapacitates them. Uh, but he <laughs> he does, well, yes, it's funny, but the point of it is, wow, he did that and he knew it wasn't Like incapacitated malicious. them in a way that like, the way like he, they were okay afterwards, right? Yes, of course. He just, they were going to continue living, but the way that it's presented is that was love because now they, because he- saved them from the damage they would do by hurting another exactly yeah i agree with that that is so freaking subtle and that is such a, another a great line. metaphor razor's edge to be able to walk that line and trust that and know that is so well here here's the line right lovely <laughs> <laughs> they came into his reality and violated a boundary or something that he upholds. So he had to uphold that for the sake of his integrity. And therefore, love was a byproduct. Them being incapacitated and everything that would happen moving forward was a byproduct of him holding his boundary that he believed strongly in. And it's not, he didn't kill them. He did, you know, no. he did exactly what <clears throat> he had to do in order to protect himself from having energy taken away from him. Correct. Yes. That's and a good in way doing to put that, it. that was love because he was loving himself. Yeah. To a certain degree, right? You see what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. And then if you anybody who knows the novel, it's a, it's a simple book, but it's worth reading and that particular um I think the simplest of books are always the most worth reading. <laughs> yeah. They stick with me the longest. Um yeah, I, there's there's a variety of good literature out there for sure, but that that story, that aspect of that story has always been has always had a really strong effect on me because I do believe, I think one of us said something like this in the sauna that the lesson we're all hopefully on the like on the track of learning and understanding is the extent to which we not only are excessive in certain ways, but there was something you specifically said. I remember it. Um, the absoluting, the, yeah. how did you say it? The, um, oh, that people don't have, what I said in that moment was that people don't have, are uncomfortable with the gap. Oh, the unknowing. Is, yeah. The unknowing. Yes, exactly. So like, exactly. there's only so, like in this time that we're talking about now, there is so little that we do know for sure. And we could just hold on to that, but people and the human brain is so uncomfortable and it's just human nature to fill the gap of what it is that we don't know. And that's why we see so many conspiracy theories and this and that that are making people so angry. 
because they're unwilling to sit in that unknown space because they really don't know. So they need to fill it up with their own stuff. <laughs> stories, yeah. They're, stories. I think it's fair to call that those stuff, that stuff stories. I just saw the woman walk in for the sauna, so just letting her know she's good to go. Um, Rock and roll. Ah, man, but do you... I'm glad to see, I think my my perception is that you feel like you're you're safe again like you're not worried about what you brought up earlier you're you're in a different oh yeah state yeah. Well, i've known that i've been safe there there is a point of like you just like you just you just don't want to feel alone you know yeah russell brand just um echoed this today i thought it was perfect what else um is there anything more i don't know exactly what it was but something about how loneliness is the most dangerous way of actually find it real fast you know russell brand's an enfp <laughs> yeah he socially engineers the shit out of people <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love him um this is it what loneliness is more lonely than distrust and that's kind of what you brought to the table this morning that is what i in. brought to the table yeah what loneliness is more lonely than distrust not only being perceived as untrustworthy by others and but then taking that on and letting that projection affect you such that wait a second am i am i okay yeah I trust like myself? not trusting myself Can i trust my shit do i have that integrity exactly and what is confidence and integrity other than self-trust by keeping one promise to yourself at a time so if you don't trust yourself that means that you've been breaking promises to yourself so somebody like yeah amen well said somebody like jp I, it makes me feel so JP fucking sad, yeah, to see it. And so genuinely sad, not just sad, but really sad. Like, how the hell do you get there with, like, how does he get there? Well, here, here well, I, I can see, I see how somebody would get there, right? He does pre, like, I heard him on a podcast and he was saying all this beautiful stuff Have that I 100% agree recent, with. Though? Um, I can I, I can characterize where he's at a hundred percent without a question. Yeah, why don't you do it for everybody? I'm pretty sure I know where it is, but go ahead. Specifically, and this is not unique to him. I believe this is the general. Um, this is the people that made their you know showed their true colors last week, and in general, I think the overlap is there's a <clears throat> conviction that they know. That they see the truth, of course. That there's something sinister, and that truth is sinister. Sure, sure, sure. Well, there's a literal devil. They call it the devil, mm. which means, and they're not shy about this either. JP's kind of said it that they they are driven by a sense of righteousness. That mm -hmm. they are, and it is a God fearing righteousness. Mm -hmm. And the devil, most specifically, is the communist plot to take over the to destroy this country and destroy our quote-unquote way of life wow i didn't know the specifics oh, of it i'm not joking around that is a hundred percent well my first statement <laughs> to anybody who believes in the devil where energy goes where attention goes energy flows and so the more you focus and fixate on that, that will be the reality that you live in and it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're scared of living in hell you're already there because <laughs> you're scared, well, right? That, that, that's my point. Like he comes, he's all cutesy 
And that's why I loved that one critique, that satire I sent, I sent you. Oh, yeah. That guy nailed it. It's all cute. But that's the truth. Like, you listen to that's his what podcast. He's he is, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a step back. Why don't, <laughs> why don't we break it down? Why don't we break down each thing of what are they afraid of? What is the basic human need that they are afraid is going to be taken away from them? Sure. Right? Sure. And where is this coming from? I would love to do. That's why I knew we, that's what I knew we would be able to effectively do together because I know you're paying attention to a lot of the same things. So, yes. All right. So, you start. (laughs) So, the first, the first fear, right? Censorship. That's a huge thing that they talk about that the technocratic elite, as they say, are big tech, big tech is censoring us for their agenda. Now, the question is, what is their agenda? What do they believe that that agenda is? I haven't gone so far to dive deep into exploring that, but then you have other agendas of that are big, um, which you can see where it's coming from. You have the whole child pedophile, the elitist satanic worshiping child pedophile ring, which you got Jeffrey Epstein. Of course, people are going to be like, oh, well, that once was a theory, but now it's, you know, true. But to you know, it's just like, we know that Jeffrey Epstein existed in that. That's the small information that we know. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's filling in the gaps of satanic this, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure that there, it is a deep, dark hole, but we just don't know. Now, what are they saying that the technocratic elite, what's their agenda? Because there are definitely agendas of these, um, everybody's got an well, agenda. Well, they his verbiage is exactly what you unfortunately would expect. Take your rights away, control you, um, take your freedoms. It just, just well, all haven't the bu- they already done the that in a words. sense? Because the man who is in the Who's biggest they, case, though? Well, I would say the I elitists. No, 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 no. I would say the apps, right? Like Instagram, well, yeah. Facebook, <laughs> you know? They've taken your freedom away already because the man who is the least free is the one that knows that doesn't know that he's in a cage at all or something like that. Yeah, and I'm going to keep making notes because this obviously comes down to what the hell is freedom. Well, yeah, actually- But don't go there yet. Don't okay, there yet. well, the prophet, I was reading last night, you know the prophet? Yeah, that's over there too. Yeah, <laughs> we, we could read the passage on freedom from the prophet is, I think, uh, illustrates it perfectly. Sure, I'll grab it. The, the Which most- in, in that book, in that- mm-hmm thing which i think is important in order to dethrone a king you must destroy the throne in your own mind first and that is what i'm talking about when it comes to they're giving so much power they are giving power to these child pedophile rings to the you know elite that are running this to they're giving power to this the way that you become free of the shackles of whatever it is that you're this overarching power that you're so afraid of is destroy the throne that they have in your own mind. And they're putting them up on a throne. Yeah, and and I don't care about Trump because he's going to probably go away in terms of like literally being anything to do with this as like the figurehead. But the fact that he is somehow absolved and is somehow... Like perceived as a, 
as a and that's where their whole thing crumbles. That's where everything crumbles because it's so obvious that he's. Fr- it's crazy. That is the craziest part. Like, well, you have to read all the conspiracy. The thing is, is if you start reading all this stuff and you start watching all this stuff, you're like, I a hundred percent could see how someone would believe this. Not somebody who I thought was relatively stable or at least capable of discerning. Well, you keep using the word reality, which I also want to talk about. The distinction between propaganda and um, manipulation and, more importantly, fear. I th- I <laughs> yeah, someone who preaches against fear so much is getting caught up in the very thing they preach that you shouldn't be involved in. It's fascinating. Right? And so, really, and both sides are caught up in fear. It, right. Well, first off, there are more than I think two sides. Well, point, yeah, yeah, but, but yes. that's but how people see it. I would like, I would rather, for the sake of our conversation, to agree that we simply say it's a normal tendency to get caught up in fear. It is a normal, but but this is the thing. I don't want somebody who might, you know, stick in their righteousness of where they are and not recognize their own fear. Yeah. You well, see first what I'm off, I, I don't think fear is inherently bad. Is also important. But I, just in terms of both sides, like for the sake of, because we, this conversation, we are capable, yeah, because you and I are capable of understanding this together. Like the idea of two sides is very destructive. Absolutely, <laughs> that's a hundred percent what I believe, and I believe that I, I, yeah, I think that two that so that's the very problem that. that we're suffering from. That people are unwilling to have the sovereignty of their own mind to make decisions for themselves and so that they choose a group and group up all their beliefs with that. And since it doesn't come from within inside of them, if anybody threatens that, their entire identity is threatened because the identity didn't come from within inside of them, but came from an external source. Good. So let's agree not to even <laughs> use that language all right, all right. both you, sides. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. You get it and we can do that. And it's important why, like you just explained. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're ready. He's ready to read the well, prophet. And it's good. Let's do uh, that. Actually, you might be a better better out reader. Okay. Reader out louder better than me. Re- <laughs> okay. All right. So it's it's here forty seven. Yeah, that's that's freedom. And you know, we can oh, always right. okay. we can always cut out later what is unnecessary and just talk and we can pause if we find go, something yeah well necessary. interrupt me too i will like go, i'll 100 interrupt you. i'll go slowly yeah <laughs> oh, shit i'll go slowly you know let me do, give you a tip that's the whole episode ladies and gentlemen <laughs> thank you let me give, <laughs> let me give you a tip though yeah not to you to the general audience if you just are are just a tip. If you if you are someone who finds yourself in relationship with people who talk 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 talk, they might come from a big family and it seems like they never listen. Right? What you have to do is they will listen if you get them out of their train of thought and bring their attention to you and demand their attention and the best way to do that, say their name 3 times. If they're going, you say Colin, Colin, Colin. And then they'll listen to you and then you're able to talk and say your point. And then they might do the same to you and interrupt you. But that's the nature of, they come from a big family where if you don't take your space to speak, you're never going to get it. And that's a limiting belief, but that's the reality of some people. So I don't know why I said that. Anyway, (laughs) carry on. It's valuable. That's good. I appreciate that. I didn't hear a word you said, but I appreciate it. Um. Do you want me to yeah, start it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 
And I'll, I'll just say, <laughs> shut up. I'm going to mute you. <laughs> that I'm the the word and our our concept. What I and freedom. I believe in this country, the concept of freedom is something that I've been really. I don't think I've told you about this, but I've been spending a lot of time exploring this, um, rattling around the good old noggin. Actually, writing, and I'll get we'll get to that without okay. saying too much. But both, of course. All right. So this is the prophet on freedom. <clears throat> and an orator said, speak to us of freedom. And he answered, at the city gate and by your fireside, I have seen you prostrate yourself and worship your own freedom, even as slaves humble themselves before a tyrant and praise him though he slays them. America. <laughs> in the grove of the temple and in the shadow of the citadel, I have seen the freest among you wear their freedom as a yoke and a handcuff. And my heart bled within me, for you can only be free when even the desire of seeking freedom becomes a harness to you, and when you cease to speak of freedom as a goal and a fulfillment. You want to stop there? I think we should, yeah. So the key there is the last paragraph to me. The um repeat it for you can only be free when even the desire of seeking freedom becomes a harness to you i'm not sure i understand what he means by a harness this it, it sounds like a good thing i kind of view it as something that is you have a heart you put a harness on a dog or a horse then you can control them sure well you can only be free when the even the desire of seeking then freedom. Because then the desire of seeking that freedom is then what is holding you and controlling you. So you are no longer free. You are yeah. a horse with a saddle rather than a horse without a saddle. You are no longer able to be controlled. And that very desire, that seeking of that freedom is what traps you and makes you unfree is what he's saying, right? Yeah, that seems true. That seems good. That's okay. how I would analyze it. Yeah, it feels clear. And that, seem, that seems true clear yeah um so when you speak of freedom as a goal and a fulfillment of course you're getting caught up in that never-ending loop yeah so if you are just here and now and just being free without the the thinking that you are not and that it's something that you need to get mm -hmm. right? right as soon as you think that you or fight for yeah hold on to exactly then it's this thing that it yeah then it becomes because freedom isn't like something that you it's just a way of being Right. in a way, is kind of what I'm getting from this. It's just a way of being, and the the lack of freedom comes from your mind pointing out the things that would prevent you from doing what you want to do, but just do what you want to do. I think a like a very, maybe this is a simple way to say it. Freedom is implicit to being alive. It's not something you have to s strive for. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something you Life, have to earn. The freedom of being alive is implicit you don't have to earn it correct yeah it's not something you earn it's something so the, that you are which begs the question why do we think of it as something that we have to earn which is a let's because come back to somebody that. has made a construct of trying to figure out how can we convince them that they're not free exactly shall i continue <laughs> sure you shall be free indeed when your days are not without a care nor your nights without a want and a grief but rather when these things girdle your life and yet you rise above them naked and unbound. I think I just keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And how shall you rise beyond your days and nights unless you break the chains which you, at the dawn of your understanding, have fastened around your noon hour? In truth, that which you call freedom is the strongest of these chains, though its links glitter in the sun and dazzle your eyes. Mm. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what is it but fragments of your own self you would discard that you may become free? It is an unjust law you would abolish. If it is an unjust law you would abolish, that law was written with your own hand upon your own forehead. You cannot erase it by burning your law books, nor by washing the foreheads of your judges, though you pour the sea upon them. And if it is a despot you would dethrone, see first that his throne erected within you is destroyed. That's what you said. That's what I was saying. For how can a tyrant, we're almost done, rule the free and the proud, but for a tyranny in their own freedom and a shame in their own pride? And if it is a care you would cast off, that care has been chosen by you rather than imposed upon you. Choice is key there. Mm -hmm. The awareness of what you've chosen comes back to the integrity. And if it is a fear you would dispel, the seat of that fear is in your heart and not in the hand of the feared. Verily, all things move within your being in constant half-embrace, the desired and the dreaded, the repugnant and the cherished, the pursued and that which you would escape. These things move within you as lights and shadows and pairs that cling. And when the shadow fades and is no more, the light that lingers becomes a shadow to another light. And thus your freedom, when it loses its fetters, becomes itself the fetter of a greater freedom. Yeah. Let me let me ask you something. Do you, oh, actually I forgot my question. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes things slip out of my mind that quick. <laughs> okay. Oh no no no! I gotta get. I gotta get. I gotta Go, get. Here we All right. So you know, I think a lot of the spiritual movement talks about how it is not the events that happen to you in your life, but your perspective on those events, which you know are the building blocks of your reality or, or what construct what you actually experience. Would you say that that's kind of partially what he's saying there? It's like, it's not what it happens on the external. It's what, how you see those events and react to them that really determines your freedom to a certain degree. Because as soon as you see, as soon as you start to think that something is taking your freedom away, it is already gone. But if you just always assume that you're free and live in that energy of always, nothing can ever take your freedom away because it's just not even in your reality that nothing that could ever happen to you would make you unfree because that's just not something that you can possibly conceive in your mind, heart, and soul. Yes, and. So this is, there are a few things that immediately came to me. One was both and, two was Nelson Mandela and the poem of Invictus, mm. which is very relevant. I mean, oh, he's being a perfect the, example. Yeah. Yep. The ship. Exactly. <clears throat> um, the context. Because a child can feel as enslaved as a, as a business owner, as a president, as a... Um, Person in a jail cell. Exactly. The, the, a simple child who wants to um, not be living with his parents anymore or f thinks that they need, quote-unquote, to go explore, have more freedom. It's not 
mm-hmm. you or has to clean their room before they eat exactly. something. <laughs> it happens. Exactly. So my, so yes to what you said, which I think is, I'll paraphrase hopefully correctly as simply attitude or again, awareness. Perspective. Perspective. That's good. Yes. And, and I do think the and is the key here because perspective, look, you just got to work on it, right? You can't talk and you can't talk your way into it. You got to practice. Mm-hmm. And the more you practice, the easier it, it gets. Um, it's so, almost a form of brainwashing yourself. Well, you could say that and then you, but who cares? Right? <laughs> who cares? If, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I totally condone like, but I, I but brainwash you, myself every day, Casey. <laughs> and I wash myself. Everybody's too. brainwashing themselves every day in one you know, way or another. Some people are doing it consciously and some people are doing it unconsciously. Exactly. You're either doing it on purpose or you're not. Exactly. Dude, there's more of those puppies. Yeah, do you sure. guys mind if I chew into the mic for another 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. All right. So yes, if that's the clear distinction, then that exact that hits on the exact the the paramount question. Is our concept of freedom simply one that is reflective of a that is more more like a child not wanting to have to take responsibility for her or his self, which I would call immature? Or is it rooted in some sort of um, actual, intentional, conscious awareness? And in that basic black either or question, to me, our concept of freedom is generally reinforcing the, I don't wanna do what I'm told and I wanna have the quote unquote ability to do what I want and say what I want without consequence, your your take on it be damned. Yeah, without consequence, I think is the key it's phrase there. absolutely one of them. But the whole point is that it's fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's consequences to everything that happened. And so- Yeah, I'll, and, and it's it, immature yeah, to and, say the least. Yeah, and what are you gonna, and so the question is, what are you giving your power to, right? Which is what you were getting at. And I do, th- and that's what I mean by both. So if you have the awareness like you keep saying about your own autonomy and sovereignty, mm-hmm. inherent, which is something you have to either be told growing up or eventually realize it, or somehow you have to- Somehow it needs to be cultivated. Exactly. Doesn't mean it's not there, but the awareness needs to be cultivated. So- Yeah, but I think the seed is in every human being. That's what I meant by it's there. Yeah. I do think, I agree with that. I think it is what makes humans unique. What's actually. the water in the sunlight? That's the question, right? What's the water in the sunlight for those seeds? Right. I think, I do agree. I think that's what makes a human so special, so unique, as opposed to as much as I love all of nature and every animal, I I think that is what makes us distinct. That is what makes us unique. That is one of the key distinctions is our ability to recognize that and to have that capacity for awareness. Well, how do you know a dolphin doesn't recognize that? They live in complete freedom. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't, of course I don't know. but, But it's a beautiful thing about us. Yes. No, and the question of whether I know is, is to me irrelevant. I think it's tragic that we have them in captivity ever and anything in captivity, of mm-hmm. course, but that doesn't, I can't speak to whether they know or not. It's or not, drop it's it. not important. I'm interested <laughs> in humanity. I'm interested in- That's what we're talking about Human here. potential here, yeah. And because that's what, that's what we know we can affect mm-hmm. most directly. And of course, everything else is, everything's connected, everything's affected by how we organize ourselves. 
and more so seemingly than every other creature. It seems like, of course, our capacity is unique compared to every other creature. I don't think that's arrogant. I don't think that's a foolish thing to say. Mm. No, I don't think it's arrogant. I just think that maybe, yeah, definitely ours is unique. Mm -hmm. But is it right? You know, who's happier, right? (laughs) Or who's more free in the conversation that we're having? Yes. So what is freedom then? And I would argue, I am really genuinely increasingly convinced, unfortunately, that our concept of freedom is really problematic. I think so. Yeah, I would say it's problematic. And I would say that humans invented... Limiting. Yeah, well, that's what concepts are often invented. Yeah. Yeah. Just by inventing the concept that there is such a thing as freedom and not freedom is what inherently has... You know... The dolphin, there is no freedom and there isn't any freedom. They just are in the ocean experiencing their life and there are consequences and they suffer the results of their actions and they got no quarrel with it. And I'm willing to bet that the gazelle doesn't feel less free because it is prey to the lion and lioness. Mm -hmm. It's just the reality of life. Good. And so what so. we have done is we have put people in charge of our reality instead of having our sovereignty, which there, right then and there, we have given up our freedom to something else. But that is yes, exactly. our consequence to deal with as someone who lives, who chooses to live and act the way we do. Yes. Now, the thing that I don't know if we need to understand I think enough of us need to recognize it so we can tactfully navigate it is what I'm fascinated by with respect to JP and company is they're clearly Mm. regurgitating the same bullshit that has been thrown about as a valid, valid reason and justification for violence for millennia. And it is God, God, God. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think, and I think it's like, it's that line that you're talking about with the peaceful warrior. What's that Mm -hmm. book you're talking about is, you know, going out and being violent, being a crusader. It is crusading. It is a modern crusade. It's a modern crusade. Going out and trying to change other people's beliefs and change their life and affect them and affect change upon them in a violent manner is not of God at all, right? Because God is them and you are God. And so for them to do the same to you wouldn't be right either. So the only thing that you can do, you know, in the name of quote, you know, God is be yourself know your boundaries and protect your boundaries, right? And if somebody tries to infringe upon you and your ability to do something, sure, you can act in that, you know, once they do. Yeah, the the key, the part that I felt, I just felt it so clearly, this sense of both lightheartedness, but also just sense of like dis it was a very clear sensation just came over me. I don't know how we can, I don't know how to relate to that. 
I, I don't know how we can relate to these people anymore. This is how you relate to them. You say because they're so convinced. Well, it's it. Well, and it's also about. Well, this is how you relate to them. Ultimately, and they think we're. You can't punch someone in the face because you think that they're <laughs> going to punch you in the face. You have to wait until they swing for you to punch them in the face. You see Go what I'm on. saying? I do, and it it gets to what I was saying about the word no and the need. Like you're calling it boundaries. Like that's yeah. But you can't. But what they're doing is maliciously attacking someone because they don't know, but they think that that person is about to punch them in the face. Well, I I think they actually believe they're being punched already in the face. A, under attack. They're already under siege. That's the that's the real tricky thing. They already believe that their lives are threatened. Well, let, and that we are blind. Well, let's talk about they censorship for a you second. you and I are blind. Because that's like the main issue that I see on social media is that these people... That's what he talks about a yeah, lot. Yeah, but do you think... I, I, I don't necessarily know if I agree. Like, I totally get the whole concept of you could say that this movie sucks and this movie's bad, but you can't go into the movie theater and yell fire. Thank you. You read, you read my fucking mind. There's a reason you can't yell fire and nobody... I don't know the history of that law, but it's a fed, I think it's a federal crime or it's a crime. And there's to, a reason. Well, they yell fire in certain places. I could yell fire in here all I want. No, but in a movie theater. We all in know this. In a movie this. theater, yeah. <laughs> it's considered a crime. Yeah. And so it's just like, where, where are we drawing that line? Because fire, that's very clear. I don't, I honestly right? and so don't I think get the, the social the, media thing. Like there, I remember life pre-social media. I would prefer life to go back. I would prefer life pre-social media. I think that we, the, the, so... the precipice of technology was the home phone and the desktop computer. And as soon as we went past that, we gave up our freedom. <laughs> yeah, and the irony is that a guy like Elon Musk would probably agree, yet he seems to be perpetuating the thing that he's afraid of. But we can come back to that too. Well, yeah, because it's, you AI. know. But- and I, uh, by the way, I, I do very much respect Elon Musk. Of course, I, just, I do as well. I think that his <laughs> Elon fast, don't come after us. No, no, I'm just no. I think he's a really. <laughs> no, but I do respect. Him. He, he seems like a very genuinely good man. I think he's driven to do good. It seems like he's also reinforcing the very thing that he's terrified of. Like somebody with that much power. Mm -hmm. I, I, if I were him, I imagine, especially if AI was keeping me up at night to the extent that it seems like he does, the fears keeping him up at night, worrying and plaguing him. I don't know why I wouldn't just try to stop. He's like the buffalo, my friend. <laughs> you think so? I think he is like the buffalo. He's running straight into the storm. That's a really cool metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> go go on. Yeah. He's running straight into the storm. It, it's just like Thank if- you, buffalo. Yeah. He's infiltrating- it, it, it's inevitable, right? And he knows that this shift is inevitable, that there's nothing that he could do to possibly stop it. So then what's the next best thing? To make sure that it doesn't turn into what he is actually afraid of by going in and it having influence on the inside. You know, I think AI can be a beautiful thing if it's programmed the right way, if it's programmed for love instead of productivity. But if it's programmed, it's inherently not AI, I believe. Well. I'm, what I mean by program, because we're all programmed, right? And I mean by what it is exposed to. Brainwashing ourselves. Yeah. No, because AI is all about what's it, what is it going to be exposed to? So then it's like, how do we censor what it's exposed to? <laughs> well, the key thing that would make it AI, two, piece, 
two, uh, two sides of the same coin. Awareness and neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Self-awareness mm-hmm. and the ability to, for that awareness to perpetuate more for newness, for something new. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key, newness. Mm-hmm. That's God. <laughs> that's the God fact. Yeah. Oh, you know what Nelson Mandela said faith is? No. Faith is the ability to see the invisible, the um, um, trust in the unknown, and ah, I'm missing one of them. Let me look it up. Yeah. I did it on my Instagram. I got it here. Oh my God. Mm. Oh, that's so funny. I know our deepest fear, but I don't know that one. The our deepest. No, no, no. Because no, listen, listen to me. I heard this on a podcast, and Nelson Mandela said this to a guy in a private room. Because hmm. the guy was like essentially. Um, uh, he was like, what does this world need most? And he's like, this world needs most. Yeah, I'm not going to try and, I can't. The to guy the did Lord, the, please who, do not. Yeah, do I'm that. not going to do it. <laughs> the guy did a really great job, but I cannot do it justice. Here, I think it's, I think I have it right here. Mm-hmm. The world needs more faith. And he's like, faith? What do you mean? What, what is faith? What do you mean by that? And Nelson Mandela said, faith is the ability to see the invisible Believe in the impossible it is. and trust in the unknown, right? So be- trust in the unknown, yeah. Yeah, to see the invisible, believe in the impossible and trust in the unknown. And that is how, that is God right there, right? It's say creating, it it's the newness, yeah, right? Say it's, it again. See. <laughs> no, I, I think it's- it Is to see the ability to see the invisible the willingness, something about the, to believe in the impossible and to trust the unknown. That's perfect. Right? Okay. And so that is that newness that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And that is how we manifest a future altogether is because you have the ability to see the you have the ability to see See the the invisible invisible, which is like oh my god i see a retreat center in costa rica it doesn't exist it's completely invisible i have the belief in the impossible i don't have any money i have nothing right i have the and but i trust in the unknown that somehow it will unfold right and that's how you manifest things into reality and that is what then we are gifting the power to AI, the ability to manifest things. Because yeah. those are the qualities, essentially, that ability to, awareness and that ability to uh, create newness mm-hmm. is manifest. So then AI could create Which our world for us. comes out of the quote-unquote unknown and arguably unknowable. Which is great. Sure, yeah. 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 The, I love that line and I love that poem and I love, or that, <clears throat> that answer and just to reflect back to the the clearly distinction between the pe- people who are obviously um, seemingly saturated with fear is the cutting off of the ability for 
trusting the unknown. Exactly. That's the factor that they're you missing because they believe that they're in faith, but they're missing the you, trusting the you unknown. Cut yourself from that. You dis. You cut that flow. Mm-hmm. You end that possibility. Yeah. And that is a tragically normal habit. Because we feel that we need to control. It all comes down to control. Why do people feel that they need to control? No fear, of course. Because they're afraid of what? (laughs) There's a couple obvious ones, I suppose. I think what we were talking about earlier, the alone, feel of being alone, and therefore... I don't think it's always just death. I think it's... No, it's definitely not death. Yeah. Being... I think a lot of stuff is like I think con- not being damned, wor- honestly, being damned, being damned and wrong and a fear of being powerless or unworthy to have the gifts that they feel that they are. No, what you of said having. is, no, I think it's shame. I think it's the fear of being damned and wrong and ashamed and, and, and that's why we need to control. Yeah. Like you're either on the good side or the bad side. <laughs> I and hear if that. you, your fear. Let me say one, one more, one, uh, something different. Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. I th- I think there's also a huge fear that if we don't go and control something, then then because control is automatically putting something outside of ourselves, right? We're trying to control something else, and that's how we feel. That's where we're putting. That's how Pro- I'm useful. You project. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I'm useful. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go do this. This is how I'm useful. But when you stop doing and you have to surrender, all you're left with is yourself. And so I think people are really afraid of. What happens when there's nothing, like, what is my purpose? Like, is it okay just to be? Good question. And I would say, no. <laughs> no? Hear me out though. But that, it is, I'm being, I'm being a little playful. <laughs> it's not obvious. I know. You never can tell. <laughs> <laughs> he looked so serious. Oh, that's him having fun, actually. <laughs> Trust me. He's actually. He's kidding with He's you. really enjoying himself. <laughs> My Uncle Arno, you never know if he's kidding, but he's always kidding. That's the thing. I am too. I'm pretty much always kidding. (laughs) But it gets you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I know. It gets him in even more trouble because he's way more vulgar and violent with his jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I've been finding my way through that. Anyway, what I, all I meant was there's, um, these are, that's sort of a concept too. And of course, if being, just being means you just sit there and look around and are just mesmerized and in all of everything and you don't quote unquote do anything, which is not what you meant, I know, then. Well, it could be. Okay. And there's inherently Because a tree is just being. Hang on. No, I would say that's projection. You don't, can we agree you don't really know that? Well, a tree. The concept of being, I think, they're just they are existing, and their existence is of service to the planet. This is all a human. This is a personification. Okay. No, really. Like, think. I'm asking you. Do you think that that's definitely the case? What? That the. All right. I'm pretty confident that the trees are pretty okay, just existing. I'm pretty confident that I don't know. What I, a- <laughs> well, no, no, I'm confident that I don't. I, I understand what you're saying. But I, what I'm saying is that the tree is just being and purely by doing what it needs to do to exist, to be, is of service to the greater whole in the planet. And I don't see a tree doing much more than 
what it has to do to, to exist. exist. Thank exactly, exactly. So the question is, what does a human need to do in order to exist? And I would say the key distinction is not um, reinforce its own unnecessary suffering, which is kind of what you're saying. And hell yeah, what what could we? How could we reform our? How can we brainwash ourselves so that that's no longer our story and our norm and our and our narrative? Yes to that, for sure. Mm -hmm. That implies, of course, that we're doing enough to continue to exist and I think allow for something new. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, we are like the tree, yes. Mm -hmm. um, that's That's a fascinating distinction though, to be able to primarily be and do that which sustains your self and life and let that most essentially be enough. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's a whole and different- And so then the question is, if you are the tree, what is the vine and how does the tree react to the vine? <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. That strangles it. Sometimes they, well, not well, sometimes they sometimes work sometimes together. Sometimes they work together. Yeah. And what's the distinction, you know? Right, right, right. And well, and what is that in humanity? Well, the distinction is that humans are doing it to humans mostly, and we're and to ourselves. It's actually a. I don't. Here's what I would say. My suspicion is that humans are the only creature that um, tolerate their own dysfunctional patterns, dysfunctional mm -hmm. behaviors, and not only tolerate them but reinforce them. I mm -hmm. suspect that a tree doesn't do that. You know what's so interesting about trees that my sister told me? I might, <laughs> I might pronounce this wrong. My, it's like the myceliac network underneath the ground. You know about this? Mycelium? Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's related to fungus. It's related to single-celled organisms. It's yeah. All, yeah. And so when we were growing up, they thought that trees were competing for sunlight and competing for this and that and the other things. Right. But in reality, underneath what's happening is they're communicating and offering nutrients and what is needed to trees that are suffering. Yeah. Um, and so largest... that's like the new paradigm, right? The old paradigm is what we believed about the trees. And the new paradigm is how we should operate like the trees, right? Yes. <laughs> and the fungus in particular, which... You know, you 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 like to use the word ego, and I think it's it's a good word to to highlight for a moment. But yeah, the largest, I'm pretty sure that the largest organism it's as a fungus, and there's some way that they connect the trees. I think it's like an aspen. It's literally like that avatar with the blue people. Yes, it is literally like that. That's correct. It's I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is literally that. And that's why Avatar was such a profound wake up call movie. And it, yeah, and why the fuck is he taking so long to make the second one? <laughs> um, well, because when you do something really great, you're like, well, the next thing has to be better, but can you can never recreate something. So you have to come create something completely <laughs> different, right? And so that's the problem. I guess so. I mean, it was a pretty good trip. I'd be down for taking the same one. <laughs> well, yeah, but. but you can't, it's like, you can't ever recreate a moment again. Like we might've had a great moment and then we try and recreate it for some, you can to a certain degree, maybe if you're a really good actor. <laughs> so but, the other aspect of Avatar though is obviously the battle and the fighting for maintaining existence. 
Oh, here we go with the battle and the fighting. What do you have to stand up for? Where is the well, line drawn? We've already been there. We don't. I don't need well, and, to and, belabor and, that. In Avatar, the line is drawn when they infringe upon that. When they start to the boundary was obviously crossed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it. I appreciate the way you seem to be so. And I wasn't sure about this based on where we were right outside the sauna. To you, it seems so easy to just declare that the boundary is okay. Right? That's... Well, in terms of like knowing... Well, because your boundary is what it is in any given moment and the boundary is open up to change depending... It's like you got to tune into who you are and tap into your heart and what is true for you, right? Yeah. And, and that, so that's... that's the key that most people are missing. So how do we teach people how to have discernment, how to tap into themselves, how to know what is true for them? And that's, that's what I'm asking myself because I don't know at this moment... I have a lot of really, you're shaking. Do you need to go? <laughs> no, I don't need to go. No, I, okay. <laughs> I'm i a movement. I'm an ENFP. It's movement all the way around. I'm always moving. Do you want to do some burpees real quick? No, 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 no. It's the only way that I actually can focus is like to sit on my hands and shake. Oh, all right. Good, good, good. So I'm focused. Just wanted to make sure you didn't need to pee or something. <laughs> I would let you know. <laughs> I take care of my needs. Let me tell you. Oh, I believe you. <laughs> the I I am not sure in this moment what the what is the way that I can most effectively and wisely and with integrity declare boundaries. Is this the kind of moment? And I have a lot of men in my life. Not a mm -hmm. lot, but enough. And you, we, you know some of them, but I won't name names. We talk about this, and I don't think they're seeing it as a moment where boundaries are necessary. L let me let me tell you, and that confuses me. Boundaries, well, it, it, and this is what it all comes up to: personal boundaries, right? Is all about um, emotion. Is the emotion that you feel because that emotion is a pain, right? If you have an emotional pain, it's the same as if you put your hand on the stove, you have a pain. That's a signal, that's a boundary that you don't put your hand on hot stoves. You know what I mean? You need to respect that boundary that you cannot keep your hand on a hot stove and be okay. And so that when you have an emotional pain, if someone does something to you or you do something for someone and gets a, and you feel this emotional pain inside, that is a signal to you that you have violated your own boundaries. Now those boundaries can evolve and change with those emotions and you need to check in with that emotion to find out what is the line that I cross and how can I support you because if that is a line that I wanna cross again, how can I support you in feeling safe or promise I'm never gonna cross that line again. Right, it's like I'm never going to touch my hand on the stove, or if I do touch this, my hand on the stove, I'm going to wear a uh, mint. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, the boundary that I perceive, they, I don't know if they would necessarily agree with this verbiage, but it's almost as if the boundary that they are willing to hold is not having boundaries, which is what you know. So when you talk about I mean, what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. That confuses me because to me that is a contradiction in and of itself. That's a that's like some what, kind of crazy spiritual timeout. What are you what are you saying? Like they think that holding any boundaries at all because are you telling it's an idea of love that I'm not sure is healthy? Because it's not 
Because you're not loving yourself if you're allowing yourself to be violated and taken advantage of. And if you're not loving yourself, that means that you're not loving another, right? Would you ever, you know, if, if it was your child, right? If, if you think mm. that it's okay to allow yourself to be beaten up, right? Without doing anything in return, ask yourself, would you let someone you love have that happen to them? Would you allow your child to be assaulted, right? And so if you actually love yourself like you love your child, then you should treat yourself the same way. Yeah, and some of these, some of this isn't even really worth unpacking because there's such a, there's such a seemingly like built-in psychosis to it. But it's intriguing because I know that there's something... It, it, there's something that almost seems a little nefarious about it, a little dangerous. In other words, but the holding the boundary or not holding the boundary, be not not, not having boundaries. Think well, no, specifically, it is actually thinking that you're not okay with boundaries, but in effect, that in and of itself looks inherently limiting to me it's so confusing because i'm trying not to give exact examples um make up one like winnie the pooh did this you know i love winnie the pooh no it's really straightforward stuff just last wednesday not being able to say i don't condone that (laughs) period well it it could be some the way that I would say it is like, that is not a reality that I'm willing to bring in. And if that's the way that you want to live, we know the consequence of you choosing that is that I'm no longer in your life. Got it. Because the, that's a huge f- consequence to people. Yeah. The, con- the way that these people seem to be declare, you know, putting up their boundaries is actually having issue with saying something is not okay. Their issue is actually what they see as taking a stand. Well, you're not, but the thing is, you're not saying if it's good or bad. You're just saying it's um, something that you're not choosing. Right. And Isn't that I a distinction am, there? Sure, something yeah. that you're not choosing in your life, but you're not, you're saying you can choose that all you want. I'm not the one to judge you or say if it's good or bad, condone or condemn. But I'm not going to yeah, condone it in it my life. Yeah, until it affects your boundaries. But that's the, but that's the point. It, is, it, is it not a time? Are we not at a time when... Can, can I really say that my boundaries are not being um, affected at this stage? I need more context. I know, it's tough. Well, make something up. The use a historical example. The distinction example. between last before Wednesday and Wednesday is there's obviously a large enough group of people who are motivated to go to war. To put it really bluntly. Mhm. That wasn't the, that wasn't to me ignorant as I may be was not obvious prior to last Wednesday. Mhm. And I think that's a very different, it's a different paradigm as a result of last Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So if I know there's a very motivated and surprisingly sort of organized group of people who are willing to go to war, 
it might not seem like it's directly with me, but it technically seems like it's, I, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to ignore that. How do I relate to that? And it <laughs> seems. Well, like, uh, the thing is with war, it takes two to tango, right? <laughs> um, depends. No, that's semantics. No, if people uh. want to, f- no, if you. Who are they warring? Ag- who? So these people that are forming the to... The people who don't agree with them. The, just anybody who doesn't agree with them? Seemingly so. JP says he's willing to go fight. He's he's ready to take up arms. To fight who? It's not... I don't know. That's the real question. <laughs> if you have nobody to fight, then it doesn't matter. Those you can, who are taking your freedoms away. And who is that? Do they have... If you don't... If there's no... They're just the, swinging into the, the, the air. Boogie, the boogeyman. All, anyone they can scapegoat. Anyone they can project it upon. Yeah, and you know who that really, you know what it is? is it, It's you, the war that we all have to be fighting right now. We should all be taking up arms for the war that's going on with inside of ourselves. <laughs> well, that's basically what you, that is what you are often saying, and I agree with you. My favorite line from, uh, I, I read it in 2009, a man of peace is not a pacifist. He is simply a pool of silence. Never forget it. A man of peace is not a pacifist because to be a pacifist is to be at war with war. Mm-hmm. A man of peace is not a pacifist. He is simply a pool of silence. It's like saying I'm opposed to being opposed. You shouldn't um, tell others what they ought to do. I am absolutely not okay with absolutes. All of these things. Yeah, well, these are things that you you don't have to... like. This is the thing is you're not telling... When you say I am not okay with absolutes, you're not telling me that absolutes are bad or good right you're not placing aware of the paradox yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're and you are aware and i think that and if we can be aware of those things it's like you i'm just saying you can express and stand up for what you believe in and tell other people these things right without condoning what they believe in or condemning what they believe in I believe so. While, and that is taking a stand of being vocal and saying what it is and saying the things that you want to do. And if they... And to me, that is this line. It, it is a it is a narrow... I guess to me, it's just really clear that like, okay, and I need to be sure that I'm walking that line as I move forward here. Cause, and that's the awareness. Yeah. And that's a willingness that when you do cross that line to admit that you were wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the other incredible components. Like, what's so hard about saying you make a mistake? Again, fear of being the bad, the, the idea, demon, the devil, the, the well, the, the idea of hierarchy, and and it, it's that there's a better than or less than, and as soon as you admit that you are wrong or that you made a mistake, that then that makes you less than, and that's what people are afraid of, and it's the same reason people control. They okay. want to control as many people as possible to put themselves above, because that means like, if I control all these people, that means I am that great, and if I control nobody, then what am I? Right, and that's I, the question. That, that, if that's what you mean by hierarchy, then okay. All right. Because By hierarchy, I mean somebody thinks that they are better than you, or you determine that someone is less than you or better than that or less than that so that there there's a hierarchy right or what do you what do you think when i say hierarchy no so i, I can... don't think anything i just knew that it was a um it was oh. one of my notes oh yeah well wh- what was your question about it in terms of what did you think that just i just to clarify it yeah cuz i th- and i think you just did 
I don't care. You know, the distinction people like to make is you know, with respect to equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome. Like, well, of course, equality of opportunity is a good thing. Of course. And equality of outcome is something that we can't socially engineer, mm-hmm. <laughs> nor would it be smart to. Um, but recognizing that it's an, it's going to, and I it's think not, everybody agrees that it is quality of, it, it of is, opportunity. It's an opportunity, yeah. Well, I don't no, know anybody don't who doesn't. They, maybe if you have a, maybe if you actually have a conversation where people are listening to each other, you'll get to that agreement. Mm-hmm. But your example from earlier to me suggests no, that not everybody's in agreement about that. I think the conversation that that conversation is that what you're referencing? Yes. I think she would 100% agree in you know equality of opportunity. The letter of it, but in spirit there's a micromanaging as you said and and um a perception of that it can't happen without certain outcomes being managed. Correct. Yes. Correct. And that's a form of absolutism. <laughs> or uh only a Sith talks in absolutes. It's a perfect quote, man. It's a perfect <laughs> quote. It's so spot on, dude. It is. Or declares absolutes. Is that what the line is? Oh, let's look it up. Let's do the old Google thing. Only a Sith declares an absolute. Deals in absolutes. Deals in absolutes. Yeah, only a Sith yeah. deals in absolutes. Test, try something real fast. Mm. Google studies show. Oh, just to see my bias on my Google? Exactly. You don't even have to do it. You, the point that... I'm curious. Well, good. That the demand you, for gasoline is. <laughs> well, hit, hit, hit that the, the optimal amount of stress that uh, studies show that is the optimal amount of stress or the gender differences. People remember at least... Uh, hang dealing. on, hang on. Though that's actually the list that we all share. But if you hit oh, enter, really? hit enter. Hit enter. Yeah. I okay. did hit enter. What'd you get? I got New York Times. And then I got what? Social Relationships and Health, a flashpoint for health policy. Fascinating. Did you get the what's same the, thing? What's the second one? That's what I got. Social relationships and health. First one is a New York Times. Studies show what m- medical research really says, and then that's all it says. And then the second one is social relationships and health, a flashpoint for health policy. And the third one is still confused about masks. Here's the science behind how masks, blah, blah, blah. What's yours? Fascinating, it's the same. Sometimes they're different, or at least I thought they were. (laughs) No, I think what you search, I think this is what is different. No, no, it was the same. It was the same. Or maybe Colin. We just check all the same boxes. That's not possible. That's not possible. <laughs> there can only be one. You're not my father. <laughs> um, no, but we fit. The, we're in the same exact demographic, dude. Wouldn't you say? This is fascinating. It, it's not been. This is different than when I did it before, though. In other words. Maybe they know that you're with me. And what we're talking about, and they've been listening I to us this, this entire time, and it's it's not oft, it's normally not the same. We're all the same, Colin. <laughs> Oneness, join us, join us, but join us. <laughs> what I've obviously wondered is, of course, to the uh, studies. We all have the studies to validate 
the ideas and the and the um, beliefs and the perceptions and the stories, et cetera, that we want. We can find them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but who's funding those studies? Well, and you know, it's also interesting that um, that work in quantum physics that purely by observing something, even if you have no bias, purely by observing something, it causes things to change. And I'm sure everybody has a little bit of bias. Your intention into even if you don't, even your subconscious bias, if you have no conscious bias, is influencing the results of your study. Because we're creating our reality. Okay. Let's unpack that word reality. When you, I believe when you say the word reality, you mean we're creating our perception of reality. Am I wrong? You know, I don't even know with inside myself if that, because I'm, I teeter on it inside of myself. Right? All I teeter. Right. Well, this is why we are where we are. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the study show reference was a way to, to, to go into that topic because I don't know how we can move forward. You watch The Social Dilemma, I assume. Yeah. Right? Tristan Harris, I've actually trying to contact him because the, the key point of that movie that I don't think was obvious going into it for me. It wasn't obvious for me and I suspect what, it was. that there is no truth, that there's no agreed upon facts and truth? And the key, the quote is that without the ability to agree upon what is true slash real. Democracy crumbles. Not only does democracy crumble, but we can't move forward, period. Mm-hmm. Which means, first off, that we have to be able to recognize what is quote unquote reality and agree on it. Yeah. And that there is something we can agree on. I think that I believe that there are different dimensions with different rules and there are realities in different dimensions. Oh, man, you talk about 5D, I'm not even gonna go there. Well, but, but <laughs> let me tell you something that my reality, I guess the truths that I dis, that I believe when I determine if something is truth or not, is it aligned in love and the highest good of all, right? If it is guiding me towards love, Right, and that towards we are all one, and towards anything like the sameness, uh, like the beauty and the connectedness of who we are, mm-hmm. then I will allow that to become part of my reality. And if it pulls me into fear, hatred, and separation, I consider it to be something I choose. May it could be real, something that I choose that's not in my reality. I know it's just semantics, but the way that people, you're doing it, the way people use the word reality, I think it's confusing. I think it's confusing (laughs) too. I'm confused in my own usage of it. I'm not going to say like, I know what reality is, but in, but in, when I say reality, it's like the things, the evidence that comes to me in my life over and over again that b- makes up the world that I exist in personally as Casey, the bubble that I exist in, the perspectives that I have, everything, my identity and everything that I perceive the way that the world works, that is my reality. I would say that's your perception. Okay. But, also, but at the same time, it's like, because we have shared realities. I guess shared perceptions, you would say. I think we overcomplicate this. Sure. I mean, if there is quote unquote truth or a reality, it's no different than the monks and the elephant. 
or you and me and this table. Like we, if reality is the table, then anybody can perceive it in. We can all perceive it in different ways. We can perceive the elephant in different ways. Yeah, but, but what is this, mean- what is this table really? It's just atoms that are all vibrating. So it's just vibration, and how we decide to interpret that vibration is our reality. Interpreting that vibration, good. But at least we've agreed that the vibration is real. Yeah, that that vibration is real, but it's our interpretation of the vibration or our ability to even sense that vibration that determines whether something is real or not. And it is the agreement between us on what that vibration is and if we can both sense it, that is what that is what reality is. Well, I don't believe that I can fly, nor do I believe that I can bend spoons, and I do, but I do believe in gravity, and I do believe- Gravity in... is a vibration that you can feel and sense. Correct. But what if someone couldn't sense gravity? Then it's not their reality. No. They couldn't sense that. Their... No, 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 they couldn't, like literally, I'm not saying that it's, I'm saying that they literally didn't have the receptors to sense that vibration. You see what I'm saying? Like, think if gravity was a color. Is that even a real possibility? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know if it is. <laughs> well, it could be. I'm just exploring the idea. Let's let's just say everything is vibration. Every let's say everything's light and sound. Our eyes can only perceive what point zero 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 three five percent of the light spectrum. So there is light that a human would say that does not exist because we cannot see or perceive it. It is not in our perception and it is therefore not in our reality because saying but it, it does doesn't exist. exist would just be dumb. Yeah, but that's, that's what people just... have said, said for, you know, that's what people still say today that like certain things don't exist. And so that I think that there are vibrations to think that there's only light and sound and not other vibrations that we cannot perceive in our limited five sensing body, I think is ignorant. And I am open to the, belief and possibility that there are things on either end of my limited ability to sense. And I also believe that humans can move this, can widen their ability to sense and can also move along a, it's not like a line, but like for linear thinking purposes, it's like if you, you know, if you, you were, had your fingers on inch two and six, and you could either open up to one and seven, or you could move two and six to three and seven. And I believe people can move up and down that with different senses that they might be able to have. And that's where different realities exist because they're sensing and perceiving something so different than the person who is perceiving, you know, say somebody is at, you know, two and zero and somebody else is at three and six, they live in completely different realities because the vibrations that they are able to sense are completely different from each other. And therefore, they don't, not only are those vibrations not in each other's reality, so they can't agree upon them because neither of them can sense them. So they're in totally different realities, totally different timelines, dimensions, I would say. <laughs> and say it, you will, and continue to say it um, you disagree? Power. No, but the word, I mean, that's a great question. It's not, <clears throat> I'm listening and I'm thinking about, I'm hearing you. Point the flaws out in my belief no, no, system. No, I not... want it. <laughs> oh, well, hold on. Let me, let me get this out. It's, that doesn't even matter to me is, is actually what I'm aware of is you, that's, it's all cool. It might mean, dude, I, 
I drank ayahuasca. Like I've I've seen it, man. I've seen uh-huh. the extent to which everything is just shapes, and it looks like a trip down the 2001 a space odyssey um uh that's reality my friend hold on hold on (laughs) that is an aspect of reality and so is this exactly and what i find myself generally wondering is how do we better agree upon, how do we better relate to what you just called this? You know, the avatar scenario. How do we better relate to this? That which is actually not only visible, but there is an aspect of it which we can both, we can understand and is still invisible. The awareness that everything is connected is something you can perceive both with your senses and understand beyond your senses. We know everything's connected. But some and people every- have evidence that everything is not connected, is disconnected and separate. I you would know? call that... I No, I think that's wrong. No, yeah, but I'm just <laughs> saying people live in a perception yes, where everything a perception. is... That's I know I'm I <laughs> I change my when I know that I'm wrong or when I see something I change you know that's the beauty of somebody like me is that I listen take in what other people say I digest didn't say it you and were process wrong. it I don't want to come across as if I was saying it was wrong no I think- but I I no I processed it and agreed I was like yeah it's a perception that's how they perceive the world and let me but what I'm saying is that. Essentially, there are people. My world, the existence that I live in, like the world, the events, the flat-out events that happen in my life, the magic that happens in my life, most people will never experience and would consider magical. And I would consider that it's happening because I'm living, I'm existing in a different part of me. Like, so say there's a most people are existing from. One to five, I'm existing from four to 10. You see what I'm saying? And, I, and I've been to one. Yeah. And I'm now at four, but most people can't even conceive what is happening between six, you know, what's happening on my six, seven, eight, the synchronicity that's happening, things glowing, things that defy the laws of physics that exist in, you know, one to five things that defy the laws of physics in one to five are happening in seven and eight and you're like whoa and then you come back down to four to interact with somebody and they're like well that's against the laws of physics it's like well it happened but i was in seven and eight what's an example because i I, now i understand what you're saying differently it's what you refer to as vibration and high and low vibration well yeah well just even think of the example of like i'm not even gonna get well like, if you want, I could. Well, even just the concept of what my mom does for a living, right? Yeah, that would be a pro- that's an appropriate example, right? <laughs> of yeah. that, my the reality that I live in is that interdimensional beings have the ability because we're all connected to come through someone when their ego moves out of the way and communicate wisdom from different dimensions and different realms and 
exist when they're not in the body, when they're outside of somebody's body, well, which is really inside, right? Because they say that they're inside of us. When they exist in there, they exist in a sense of timelessness of reality, in the connectedness of who we are, in the unconditional field of in the unified uncondition in the unified field of unconditional love. And in that field, they can pick up on every single person's energy because it's all connected and know everything. And so somebody comes into a session with my mom and she knows, and Raphael comes through and tells them all of this. Prof- I don't, There, I was talking with my mom today because she's always worried about how her sessions are going to go. And I said to her, I was like, mom, have you ever had someone that wasn't completely blown away by the session that they had with you and Raphael? And she was like, no. And it's been 32 years. Hmm. And from those sessions, countless people, miracles have happened. People come up my driveway who have never met me before with a stick that has my name spelled out the way that it is for me, having no idea that I exist. Hmm. Right? These are things that, you know, I've had, you know, electrical things, fires erupt out of nowhere, like on, out of plane, like out of nowhere, pipes burst from nothing. I've seen, I don't know, I could go into, I've seen things in the, like I've seen actual beings when I am vibrating at a certain vibration, I have been able to see things that are vibrating at a similar frequency that don't, that are imperceptible, imperceptible, is that the right word? to uh, some somebody who imperceivable, imperceivable yeah. to somebody who has not allowed themselves to expand beyond four or five right i don't know what i'm saying is just that's what i say in different realities because what i consider what i know to be real and in the vibrations that i sense and the vibrations that are sensed by and of those who sense also the same vibration I'm sensing that we agree upon that it is, that is one reality. And someone who can't even sense that vibration or isn't open to sensing that vibration is in a totally different reality. Yeah. No? I would, well, we've gone into a territory that is admittedly not... I'm I'm listening. I'm curious, and I'm thinking about the examples you've given, and um, it's not like I can't re- relate to it. But it um, what you, the question you just asked, I would again, I still think it's really accurate to still say that it's a distinction. The distinction is pers- um, both what is being perceived and and interpreted in terms of what's real, not what's real. In other words, if something is real, it's real, period. If a vibration exists, it exists. You could put it that way, exactly. Yeah. What so that vibration is interpreted it's... as is that, but what if someone yeah. can't even perceive that vibration is what I'm saying? Then does it exist for them? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. To me, that would be the problem in ego. I know there are things happening in Timbuktu right now that I'm not seeing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And there are people talking into microphones all over the world and and, um, people eating and chewing and metabolizing and 
and fucking and and but those are all vibrations that they're familiar with because they exist in their perception or reality or whatever you want to call it of knowing that they're happening it's all that that's happening of course that they're all happening because they're vibrations that you're familiar with what about what about a vibration that you have never experienced before in your life how do you know that that's happening i well like you your point the nelson mandel's point about faith i guess exactly um, you have to have faith un- until of, you experience it. Yeah, that's just not hard for me. And but I think for, what I'm saying is, for some people, it it really is impossible. Well, they're not open minded. It's not enough. impossible. They're not exactly. They're not open minded <laughs> enough, and they're not allowing themselves to perceive something that they're fully capable of perceiving, and just outright saying that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 And so I had. I generally that seems pretty consistent with everything that we've been describing as far as what we're perceiving to be a general human issue. Yeah, it is our unwillingness to be open to the ideas of the ideas and experiences of others, period. Right. The unknown, something new, something that doesn't immediately fit in with our program or paradigm or identity or box or construct. Yeah, and the yeah. way to be comfortable with the unknown is by having faith in the way that we've divine, d- defined it or Nelson Mandela defined it. Yeah, and so your question do, you know, I don't have any disagreement. It's really just, I recognize that what it comes down to for me and it doesn't matter. It's not a better or worse. It's not a comparison. It's just a, yeah, I see it. I guess I'm just very aware that for... And I, I'm curious, like, well, I guess that's that's just what makes me me. Is I'm I'm ho- hopeful to use your um, uh, structure that if more of us could improve our experience in the one through five range, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would. I'm really, really interested in that possibility. Well, I think that <laughs> I think that 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 is a really important possibility. But I think right now, what we're experiencing, and I know that, like, I've noticed this so much because ten years ago, if I said what my mom did or anything like that, or talked about any of the vibrations that I had experienced in my life that were out of the norm. I'd be completely crazy, looked away, everything like that. Hmm. But recently, more and more people are starting to experience those vibrations. And the audience that my mom and I have are essentially people who have experienced the vibrations that have no idea how to interpret it or what those things are. And then that's why they come to us. And that's why people go to spiritual figures. And that is so, and that is why it's so important that people who, have an interpretation, have that interpretation with love and with the mindset of the highest good of all, with that sense of connectivity, because the people who don't know what that vibration is but can sense it are the most vulnerable people out there. Yeah, and I guess that's, you kind of hit the nail on the head to me. Like their vulnerability, it's almost like building a foundation for anything. And I think we're all transitioning up from one to five to like three to eight. Maybe, but. 
And these are just arbitrary I'm not numbers. Sure, I know, but it makes <laughs> sense. It makes sense. Uh, my, I'm not sure if that's true. And to the extent that it's possible, I'm a, I'm motivated, but I'm not sure it's happening because of how, dude. Like I straight up believe psychologically. There's a. I'll find the quote, but psychologically. There's a lot of arrested development and people are largely operating like they have for centuries. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not complicated to see. So what are the what are the foundational like, I mean what what is the foundation that needs to be reshaped to me to be really candid the problem that people like what people are saying about Western Civ that is accurate is yeah, it's rooted in a mythos and a and a mostly Christian construct, which is inherently limiting in ways that we've unpacked this whole conversation. And making you know, reconciling that fact is probably necessary. Mm-hmm. Reconciling that inherent um issue with our foundation is probably necessary. So yeah, if we can do that gracefully and carefully without ideally a normal sense of violence, then yes, that's probably the upgrading that needs to take place. <laughs> I have to I have to go soon, but I think that the thing no no no, but let let let's talk about one more thing. I got 10 minutes. And so that thing is when I say ego, what I mean by that is separation, right? What you 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 viewing yourself as something separate from anybody else. And ego is the thing that says, oh, I'm separate from them, so if I hurt them, then I'm not hurting myself, but really you are. And when someone believes something different from you, that means that you believe it too. And that realization there, right, as we all start to realize that, that is how we all begin to elevate to a new level where more things are possible. Right. And what, I forget what you were saying before, I got distracted, but I had a better <laughs> <Which> point. <laughs> this is the quote. It's, um, we have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. Oh, this is what, yeah, this is what it's I was going to say. fashionable um, point that people are seeing. Right I now. think that the spiritual evolution has almost happened countless times. And the thing that has gotten in the way of us moving on to the next stage of evolution, human evolution, which is an evolution of consciousness, has been getting caught up in our ego, getting caught up. And by that, I mean getting caught up in greed, getting caught up in status, getting caught up in all those things, getting caught up in control and believing that anybody is different from you is the thing that has stopped our consciousness from moving on to the next stage of evolution. And if we right now can, where we see ego is coming up to the surface more than ever right now, but people think like, oh, we're in such a bad time, but really that is ego, like claws on the edge of a mountain that are about to get stamped out by light because so many people are awakening that when that ego is kind of doing its last swat and falls away and we realize the oneness of all of us that comes with unconditional love, then that is when that new reality can come into play, but not until then. And we may fail, who knows? But you're saying that this spiritual stuff has happened time and time and time and over and over and again. It has. And the thing that has 
impeded its progress is the ego, edging God out. Yeah, I, I hear what you mean. I know you gotta go. I'll leave with this question. Because I don't have the answer to it, but I think it is, and of course I don't have the answer to it. I think it's- Well, nobody has any answers to any questions. I don't have any answers to any questions. I just have thoughts about questions. <laughs> I have some answers, but okay. <laughs> There's, there is the unknowable and the mystery, and that is good. But here's the trick with the ego topic. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's all important. Like I- I think what you just said is probably spot on. And yeah, I don't think we've really evolved, hence that quote. I'll, I'll repeat it again in a moment. But <clears throat> I believe the, tr the tricky tendency of this kind, this idea of ego, or that the way that people often talk, not necessarily you, but talk about ego mm -hmm. in this quote unquote spiritual way is. I believe the motivation can evolve and improve, but I do also believe that at the end of the day, being aware of your individuality in the context of oneness is necessary for life. Exactly, in the context of oneness is the right. key term. Because otherwise the newness will stop. Yeah, the but awareness of your then. individuality in the context of, <laughs> of oneness, that's all it is, right? And that's the beauty is like when you can allow. There we go then, that's it. That's it. That's it, that's the Can I thing. say one more thing? Hell yeah. <laughs> when you, you know, I was, I was standing in the river, I was doing Qigong and I was in You're that. so cool. <laughs> I was in that state of- In the freezing cold river, mind you. <laughs> I was doing Qigong. And as I was doing that, I slipped into observation consciousness, as a lot of people call it. And and like my, you know, quote unquote ego, not my individuality, but my like, well, I guess it could be individuality a little bit. It, it was basically the universe was, my consciousness was the universe observing itself through- me through my unique lens and perspective and through that lens and perspective it was able to marvel at the astonishment of how beautiful it is the universe itself and and that i also am the universe and that that tree is beautiful that flower is beautiful in its individuality as i observe it but i know that it is me and that's where their quote is I am that, I am. And that's what I walk around doing in the forest. I look at a tree and I say, I am that, I am. And I sense its vibration and merge with it and realize the connectivity in between me and that tree. Same thing with the river and every human being on this earth. He's not listening to me. No, I am. <laughs> it was perfect. What you had me read, I'm looking for the line from what you had... Here we go. What I, had I found written. it. I found it. Right okay. Now. I'll just quote you. And um, yeah, the, the ego individual, it's just semantics, dude. We made up these fucking words anyway. Yeah. But I think what you said is important. <laughs> Our individualism within the, what is it exactly you said? Within well, the context it, that of an oneness. an aspect of our identity is individuality. Yeah, like each leaf is beautiful, but it's part of the same tree. Exactly. With it, And it's so fucking simple. Exactly. <laughs> It's not a, it's not rocket science.
So you wrote, our inner world is often a direct reflection of the outer world. Um, and the same can be said for that which is on the inside, we can see on the outside. So it's basically what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the seeing is such a great word. You are seeing yourself. You are that which sees itself. <laughs> you are that which sees itself, yeah. All right. I know you got to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got to go make sure I get to that session. Well, I got two minutes. I just wanted to make sure that I, we got, you know. Well, what, how would you like to pause this, this dance? <laughs> I want to say that I have really enjoyed this conversation, and I think discussion is critical and valuable and the ability to have a dialect rather than a debate. And I feel like that is what we did. I am always hoping that I improve my listening skills whenever I have a conversation, but sometimes I fail to do that. Sometimes I, especially with Colin, he makes me want to talk more for some reason than listen, <laughs> which really I should listen to Colin because he's a very wise man. And so I just wanted to share my awareness <laughs> and self-reflection. And a declaration that I would never say that I know everything because the man who knows everything is the dumbest in the room and the man who knows he knows nothing is the wisest. And I know that I know nothing. But I don't think anybody else knows anything either. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and what I'm always wondering is why would you want to know everything? Don't you realize that that would be the end? The game would be over. Exactly. That, here, let's play the song Buffalo. <laughs> Do you know this song? No. Oh, it's such a good song. Kind of did this the other day too with somebody. Are you, are you okay? We good? We're done? I'm done. We're, I ready. Have We're ready to else rock. To say. All right, good. Yeah. Here we go. We'll, <laughs> we'll end with more Buffalo from our lovely band Alt-J. Wow, I really like that band and that album. Well, actually, I don't know what album that's on, but it was from the Silver... I know it's in Silver Linings Playbook, and it's it's an incredible song. They really are good live, too. I saw them years ago. They need to create some new music. Come on, Alt-J. Do it soon, please. Well, I hope you enjoyed Into the Storm. That was your ending there, Buffalo. I think it's a nice way to end. Casey, you'll see... Uh, you go to his website. We'll put it in the notes here. He's very available for coaching, especially the uh, Wim Hof coaching. He does so much, so much breath coaching and cold training with people. It's he's a monster. He just doesn't stop. Um, I know you can reach him pretty easily, so we'll make that clear. And I hope you enjoyed it. Season or episode three. 
It's with we already recorded quite a few of them. Oh, Brian. We're gonna reconnect with some Feldenkrais wisdom. My friend Brian from Feldenkrais, who Feldenkrais training program, who just wrote a book. New published author. Okay, it'll be a really different episode. He's much more I guess calm. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Somebody like Casey, just you just kind of put the mic in front of him, and it's just easy. You'll see with Brian. All right, I'm done. I wonder if you can hear Dash there. Hey, Dash. Hi. Hey, buddy. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>